Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey, everybody, let's get this thing started. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are joining for a CBH Live, the weekly live stream where I go through what is new and interesting in the world of comics. Of course, primarily focused on X-Men comics today that we're going to talk about going to be X-related. We got new Wolverine, we got Legion of X, we got a new issue of X-Men, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Dark Web, but not a whole heck of a lot, so that's going to bring some Spider-Man into the conversation. Come on in, join us live. Thanks for joining those of you that are here. Get in your questions, your thoughts, all that fun stuff in the chat. As always, this will be a spoiler-filled conversation for the stuff that came out today. The assumption is that you probably read it. If you haven't, look out for potential spoilers. Um, I don't know if there's a heck of a lot to spoil today. Some stuff. I guess maybe Legion of X related. Uh, I also have some questions for the day, right? Little conversation starters, right? So let's let's start it right here. Let's start it right here with the big one. I threw this one out on Twitter and I got some really interesting answers. If Marvel launched or relaunched Uncanny X-Men in 2023, there has not been an Uncanny X-Men title since House of X and Powers of Ten. In 2019, this is historically the flagship X-Men book, right? It actually it actually didn't become uncanny until Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum took over post-Giant Size X-Men, 1975-1976. Um, but kind of retroactively, that has been like, oh, well, that's what Stan and Jack meant <laughs> with X-Men number one in 1960. What is it, 1963 when X-Men launches? Maybe it's 64. Um, regardless... Uncanny X-Men is like the flagship book. Like, that's the one, right? That one goes for the most issues, right? You have upwards of, what, 600, 700? Um, but it has not had a title. Okay, it has not had a series throughout the entire Krakoa era. Um, probably with some, I imagine there's been some conversation about that, right? I imagine there's been some editorial background, all of which is to say, if Marvel finally relaunched Uncanny X-Men for the Krakoa era, what creators, writer, artist, letterer, colorer, get them all in here. Would you want to see on the book? Uh, I'll share some ideas. I'll share some thoughts as we go through here. Definitely, I mean, there were some great um, reader and, and picks on Twitter that I saw from folks, and I'll share some of my favorites. The names that come up the most often right now, if you fan cast any creative unit on literally any Marvel property. <laughs> this happened for Avengers. It happened for Uncanny X-Men. If I said Fantastic Four, it would be the same names. Uh, are Al Ewing, Karen Gillan, um, Chip Zdarsky a little bit, uh, Jed McKay, I think, is is a creator right now. I think McKay is destined for writing The Avengers. I think that's happening um, later this year, but we'll see, you know, once the Jason Aaron run mercifully <laughs> concludes. Uh, but then who else? Well, oh, Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson on Uncanny X-Men would also make a lot of sense. You see those names as writers definitely come up the most, I think, of anyone. Um, but get in your thoughts. Get in your, your ideas here in the comments. I will definitely share as many as I can. And I will try to um, <laughs> I will try to go through as many as I can. I'm seeing a very funny comment here. A classic jab from Braden says, Dave, you have such an awesome voice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you ever thought about doing videos of you reading aloud from the comics? Oh, okay. I, th I thought it was a classic burn where you were, you were saying, like, have you ever thought about do making videos? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have much interest in consistently doing that um, on the CBS channel, although I have a few ideas percolating. 
Uh, but literally just like reading aloud, like, like what, like dialogue from the comics or like narration. Um, no, I have not thought about that. I, I listen, if you through some mystical reincarnation become one of my toddlers, you will have me read aloud to you right now, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Okay. You can have that experience if you can mystically and peacefully transfer the, like, like, listen, like, like. You can ride shotgun with the kid. Just don't, like, take him over, right? No shadow kinging the situation. Just come hang with us, okay? And enjoy some Moon Girl and Devil Dino. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is that a thing? Are people just, like, reading the comics out loud on YouTube? That sounds like just read the comic, <laughs> right? Why would you prefer that experience? I don't know. I, I guess, actually, there definitely have been times where I'm like, you know, I'm like, how can I read comics on the treadmill? for example, right? Um, it doesn't work well. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried reading on a treadmill, but it goes very poorly, right? So reading comics on a treadmill is very hard. Um, so I guess the idea of, right, of listening to one is like, well, I can continue to consume comics. There should not be a point in my day where I am not consuming comics. So <laughs> I suppose I understand that part of it. I don't know. I'm I, For having a comic book YouTube channel, um, you know, for now a number of years, I'm pretty far removed from really having a clue <laughs> about what it is people do on here um, and how to actually be successful. I don't have tremendous interest in that, but I do have tremendous competitive jealousy if someone points out to me that I'm not <laughs> as successful as someone else. No, not really. Um, but yeah, great, great yeah, question. Great question. No, I have not thought about just straight up reading like, like an issue of, like, Claremont X-Men. Um, we did, uh, on My Marvelous Year, the podcast where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today, we did do, um, uh, Zach and I did, like, a dramatic reading of some 60s Fantastic Four issues. Uh, I played Sue Storm. And um, that was fun for a couple of pages. It was fun. Uh, I also had, at one point, I was super close to doing, like, an actual audio drama where I did read the narration from like either Days of Future Past or Dark Phoenix Saga for, for some program that was putting that together. Um, but they never, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And they never followed up. So, you know, I have no idea what happened with that. Um, but that, something like that could be, could be fun. I wouldn't mind doing something like that. Uh, if you're out there and you have such an opportunity, present it to me. I'm available, everybody. As always, I always, listen, I'm here for invites. I'm here for friends. I'm here for welcomes. Super available. Couldn't be more available. <laughs> it's not really true. I'm incredibly busy, um, but I'm available. All right. So who do you want to see on Uncanny X-Men? That's going to be floating out there as we talk. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we got Get Pepe Larraz back in the X-Office. Yes, very popular pick. Um, it was just announced. I saw this via Popverse like yesterday, two days ago, that Pepe is doing some Millar World stuff, some Mark Miller stuff. Um so I think he's busy. And like, you know what? Like as disinterested as I am in, in anything Miller world right now, um, get paid, Pepe. Get your money. Good for him, right? Get paid. It's because it's it's a whole, you know, the whole Miller world thing right now is like, you know, it's comics, but then it's tied into Netflix and they make a series they'll cancel after one season. So sweet. Um, but presumably that means everybody's getting paid. So hopefully Pepe's getting some money out of that. I doubt we'll see him back in the X office Uh anytime soon outside of like covers i certainly can't imagine him doing interiors because even x-men right the launch with jerry duggan pepe Larraz on x-men i mean what did he even do five issues 
you know, over the course of like 10. It, it wasn't that many. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see that happening, but that'd be cool. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, I'm seeing as a writer. Listen, I think I floated at this, I just floated at this idea, right? Because it was such a good idea. Um, I think I floated out the idea after it was announced that like the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman picture, because he's, it was, it was like Ta-Nehisi Coates going to be writing Superman for DC movies. Like, okay, that should be interesting. Um, and then it got floated that like through the whatever, just absolute chaos they're going through that it's like, yeah, that movie's probably dead, which I don't know if that's confirmed yet or just a maybe still um doesn't seem like it's a good situation but at that point i was like listen is there any way we could get him on x-men stuff like is there any way we can get coats in the Krakow era um i'm a huge defender of of the coats black panther i love that run from jump it is super super referential and differential to the hickman um saga in the marvel universe as well which i feel like fans of hickman are often like sleeping on but anyway, yeah, like a Coates on Kenny X-Men, yes, sign me up. Oh my goodness, yes, I'm in for that. That would be fast. Even That's one of those things, like even if it's not good, I don't care, right? Like it can fail, but it'll be fascinating. It'll be interesting. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm seeing here Laval, LaRaz on Kenny X-Men. That would rule. That would be awesome. Victor Laval and, and Pepe LaRaz on Kenny X-Men. That'd be super cool. That would be super cool. Uh, question here from Emmanuel. Dave, have you been keeping up with Captain America's Sentinel of Liberty series? by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and Carmen Carnero. Issue 8 guest stars Emma Frost. This is my biggest blind spot in all of Marvel, in, like, all of, like, superhero comics right now, is this Captain America saga. I've heard nothing but good things. I just saw Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are announced as they're going to be the new writers on Guardians of the Galaxy starting in, like, April. I am, I am completely unfamiliar. I need to check out this run. If you're, if you're here in the chat and you're here with me live, and you're reading Captain America, tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, um, 1 to 10 shields, uh, how how badly do I need to be reading this Captain America run? Because I, I know I need to get to it, but it's like, how how badly am I missing out here? Uh, okay, so yes, I'm, I'm behind on that. Lucas Ochoa says, get Hickman back. Listen, listen, y'all. He's got another Marvel thing. It's going to have some small story released in the Free Comic Book Day stuff Marvel's putting out this year. Okay, so so the Free Comic Book Day issue will probably come out, what, that's like May, June, maybe, let's say. Um, they're gonna. It's going to have X-Men content written by Jerry Duggan that sets up what looks like it's going to be Uncanny Avengers, but Fall of X connections, right? Because it's connected to what he's doing in Iron Man. It's going to be discovered that Iron Man apparently funded Sentinels at one point. <laughs> There's Stark Sentinels that are going to be out there. He, like, lost control of his company, so it's it's not going to be Tony's, but kind of. Um, so it's going to connect the world of Avengers and X-Men, as as I've been saying for months now, the, the X-Men continually become the center of the Marvel Universe. It's already happened. It's, like, become. It's already done. The X-Men are the center of the Marvel Universe. Um, but this is going to connect those shields, so that's going to be an issue. There was something else that was going to be in there that now I'm blanking on, and then apparently there's going to be some little teaser for the Hickman and, and Valerio Shidi um, content. Now, my prediction on this is it'll be four pages. It'll be conversation between mysterious entities. And we still, by the end of it, won't actually know what the book is. <laughs> That's my prediction, is it'll, it'll somehow remain an enigma despite having content released. I will also predict that the pages in the free comic book day special are not going to be unique. I guarantee they are 
copies of pages to come. It's going to be like a, a read ahead kind of thing, right? Um, these are my predictions <laughs> for what we're going to get from Hickman and Sheedy. But yeah, like they have another project coming. He's not coming back to X-Men, y'all. Like I know it, I know it makes you sad. Um, it, it makes me, honestly, it makes me less and less sad. Um, you just can't be looking back that often. Uh, but it is, it's the longer Gillen and Ewing are at the head of this, the less I'm like, I can't believe we blew it, you know? And, and again, it's one of those things too, where it's, I keep seeing people, you know, there's this, this pervasive line of thinking that I presume is perpetrated by folks on here like me, um, who just get it wrong in, in that, the idea that like Hickman was pushed out, <laughs> which remains just absolutely comical to me. Like the creator is such a big name presence. Okay. There's no bigger draw for Marvel right now. They clearly have some sort of relationship where they're like, listen, we will pay you a lot. We will let you do basically whatever you want because the reality is you'd rather be doing your own thing on three moon, three worlds than anything Marvel related. We know that we have to, pay. we have to woo you. Marvel needs Hickman more than Hickman needs Marvel. Right. Um, so it's very comical to me, the idea that that someone at Marvel, who, who is this entity, right? But that they would have been like, no, Hickman's out. The biggest draw to the franchise, we want them out. The person who launched House and Powers and made this thing happen and made waves and saved X-Men. Yeah, we want to kick them out, <laughs> right? Like, what? In what world? In what world would this be happening? You know, if the Celtics tomorrow were like, we're benching Jason Tatum. Right, the Nets were like, that's a bad example. The Nets are a mess. <laughs> but if Celtics were like, no, we don't, we don't want what Tatum has to offer to our basketball franchise, as we are potential title favorites here in the NBA. Like, just there's no world where that's a reality. Okay, it was somewhat circumstantial. Weird things happened in the world that led to those results, and then Hickman got a bag, a money thrown at him from Substack had other projects, didn't want to continue writing an ongoing X-Men series, got busy, just got busy, you know? Um, I do, somebody asked me not too, I did an AMA on Twitter not too long ago, and uh, I got into pour over coffee uh, over the, the in the new year and uh, just was flying high, like just soaring on pour over coffee. And, uh, and that led to the mistake of, you know, conducting an AMA on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, what happened there was somebody asked, do you think Hickman will come back for the end of things of X-Men? And my gut response, because we've been through this on these live streams 800 million times now, was to say, no, absolutely not. It's just, no, I, I don't think they're especially interested. Um, at most, it would be just sort of a, you know, it would be sort of like just a passing of the torch, like kind of a respect move where they're like, and Hickman's back for two pages and some special or whatever, right? It would just kind of be like an acknowledgement of the fact that this is the thing that they not like, I don't know, built or helped build some variation, right? Like tremendously influential on having X-Men, you know, letting X-Men have the success at this point in time. But my immediate reaction is like, no, it's not going to happen. Um, which then, because my reaction is such a strong no right now, does make me kind of think that maybe it's going to happen. Like, because I do, one thing we know about Jonathan Hickman's interest in comics is this is a person who hates solicits and hates fans having access to like story and and kind of what's to come well before they get to like well before anybody gets to just enjoy it and be surprised and just enjoy the story um so the idea that he could be like just like toying with everyone 
right? And and basically saying like, no, nah, you know, we moved on, it's done. Like it was nice, but you know, timing wasn't right. And just doing that for like years before actually the plan having been revealed is like, yeah, I was always going to come back. That would actually fit <laughs> seemingly what this person is into. Um, but it, like, that's some big brain to like way overthinking and stuff. The, the real answer is no, no, it's we're in, we're in new hands now. And guess what? They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Karen Gillan and Al Ewing are writing two really good X-Men books, right? So, all right. So what other thoughts do we got here? Um, we'll probably get to the comics today. I don't know. I don't have that much to say about them, frankly. Uh, Legion of X actually have a lot to say about. Um, let's see. Banksy says, I thought it was already announced that the new Hickman thing is Doctor Strange. Get out of town with this Doctor Strange stuff. I've already shot this puppy down. All right? Already shot it down. It's going to be a Cosmic Pantheon book. It's going to be Eternity and, and Infinity and the Beyonder, or the, well, maybe the Beyonder, um, the Inbetweener. Lord Chaos, Master Order, all those fun Jim Starlin concepts. Uh, listen, we'll see Doctor Strange like once or twice. Like, of course we will. It's science, magic, all this crazy stuff. Uh, it, the the teaser thing for the story was like at the threshold of science and magic. So a lot of people are going to be wrongly predicting that it's Doctor Strange, which I get. But here's the thing: if you were if you were going to do a traditional just Marvel character and do that book, and you're going to do science and magic, do Doctor Doom. What are you doing? If you have the choice between someone who's invested in science and magic, and you pick Doctor Strange, first off, you're 50% wrong. Where's the science in Doctor Strange? Second off, you pick the worst character. Pick Doctor Doom, okay? So get out of town with this Doctor Strange stuff. Um, it is the most obvious answer. I mean, if, if it was that, it would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was way overthinking it. Um, but I, I'm actually pretty actively hoping it's not that yet, frankly. All right. Let's see. Bill says we're in the third and final age of Krakoa. Krakoa was part one of his plans. What will John do next after the Cosmic Pantheon event? Surely he has to come in for Act Two. Surely, confident. I like it. I like it. Um, it would be cool. It would be cool if each act had a lead-in by Hickman, like a lead-in event. That would actually be awesome. If this was genuinely all Act 1, and the lead-in was House and Powers, and we do Fall of X, and we get to the end of it, and whatever happens, happens, and then Act 2 is like, you know, House Powers Part 2, and hopefully a better name than that, that'd be really cool. That structure would be very cool. I would love it. Uh, I don't feel great about it. I would love that. That would be amazing. I think all of us here would be like, yes, please, that's perfect. Um, I'd be a little surprised by that. Let's see. Uh, question here. Do you think Hickman is the next Stan Lee? <sighs> you know, on its face, it's kind of just like, what does that even mean? But then you think about what's happening over on the Substack. I don't know how many of you are following that at all um, with Three Moon, Three Worlds. But, like, they're genuinely trying to build a new comics universe. Like, that's what the project is. Um, it, my, my immediate thought was like, oh, it's very Valiant Universe. It's very Jim Shooter, <laughs> circa late 80s, early 1990s, actually, with like the New Universe or the Valiant Universe, where they're like, we're going to do comics that you kind of recognize, but we're going to do them our own way. We're going to build a whole universe, and it's going to be better than the existing shared universes that you all are obsessed with, right? DC and Marvel and all that stuff. Um, so you can get a little Stanley the Manly out of that, right? In terms of... And, really Jack Kirby, right? But the, in collaboration with 
Kirby and Ditko launching the Marvel Universe. Um, very different players, very different landscape. I think Hickman is... It's hard to ju- it's hard for me to judge Stan Lee as anything other than um, an incredible ambassador for comics and a very fun personality that I idolized um, and a very fun dialogue writer. But it's because of the the just challenges between like all right, but how much of the conceptual work here was Kirby and Ditko? You know, um, you don't quite get a sense of like, yeah, Stan Lee was a, was a creative powerhouse in terms of unique concepts. Um, I think it was a kind of a perfect collaboration, right? And we, we still celebrate it today, but yeah, it, very different players. Um, I guess if you, in the, in the question, do you mean is Hickman like the number one, a superstar writer of this generation? It's interesting to consider, you know, I mean, in, in American comics, Right, if you're looking at the U.S. landscape, who can you announce on a book that's a bigger presence and a bigger name? Right, it's a short list. I mean, Grant Morrison, certainly, because of the legacy and the history there. Um, Brian K. Vaughan doesn't really have the shared superhero universe trajectory. Certainly, it has just moved away and done their own thing, but pretty huge. Um, Brew Baker comes to mind. Uh, I mean, Brian Michael Bennis doesn't anymore. Um, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. All right. Let's see. Christoph says, I choose to believe he will come back for the final act of the Crickle Era. Good. Yeah. Like, choose choose that. <laughs> choose hope. Um, okay. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Do, do, do. Okay. Question here from Christoph that I did want to answer. Uh, did you read X-Men Unlimited, A World Without X? Finally, a focus on Professor Charlie X. Okay, yes, I did. Um, a lot of folks have recommended this to me, and uh, it's written by Jordan Bloom. Uh, we got art here by, uh, is it Salva Espin? Salvador Espin? Something like that. Apologies for the, the name mix up there. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, I've Again, I've been on the X-Men Unlimited train for a while now, really since like issues 30-ish, I want to say. Uh, it's a really fun addition to the Krakoa experience. A World Without X, though, is like, this is like, you know, really good. <laughs> like, like genuinely, like this is an important story. So if you haven't read it, uh, first off, I highly recommend you do. Uh, basically all it is is Professor X gets like sucked into the an age of apocalypse, sort of multiverse reality type thing, has to deal with that. We see tons of fun age of apocalypse stuff getting played with, but it is, it's like, it's the best Professor X story since House and Powers. Um, and it sets up like dreams of multiversal mutants, which I've been clamoring for from day one, where it's like, if the Krakoa experience is true on earth, what about the whole multiverse of mutants? I wish this Charlie X stuff carried over to like the rest of the line, you know, like it doesn't feel like the rest of the line is playing with this version of Charles. Cause this version of Charles is definitely the most idealized version that we've seen in the entire Krakoa era. I mean, everyone else is playing like, um, you know, Professor X is a jerk, which fair enough. Um, but it is kind of nice to see like this version of, Hey, remember like how he kind of does have some good ideas and, you know, did help establish Krakoa, you know, in all these incredibly meaningful ways, um, and can be heroic 
and can be a positive mentor towards mutants, it's actually it's actually nice to see. So yes, if you haven't read it, if you haven't read A World Without X, it really rules. I hope uh, I hope a lot of folks will will check this out, but also like start to reference this because the whole multiverse thing. I mean, that's big. That's important. Um, I mean, at the end of this ends with the age of Apocalypse. Well, I guess I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Um, but if you haven't read Age of Apocalypse, always a recommendation. Uh, and it would you definitely need to know that, I think, before jumping into the story to, to fully appreciate it. Um, but yeah, really good. Really good. Uh, okay, let's see. I'm seeing from Brayden that uh, in an interview for Axe, Gillen did say something about Hickman coming back eventually. I feel like that would have been bigger news if that was confirmed. That said, I... Listen, I'm I'm doing all sorts of fun things outside of comics, you know. Like I'm I'm just like, you know, grooming my beard and gaming mostly. I play Midnight Suns now all the time, so I got a lot of hobbies. Um, <laughs> probably didn't, you know. I probably missed it. Could easily happen. Uh, okay, we got a lot of other questions here. I do want to get to some of the comics here uh, a little bit. Let's see. Salva Aspen is the artist on A World Without X. So thank you for clarifying that. If I got that wrong, apologies. Do, 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 do. I was kind of hoping for a heart sinister this week. I disappointed myself. MC Pick says, I agree. I agree. Okay, let's talk Legion of X because that's probably where you were hoping to see that. Um, Legion of X is written by Sasperger. This book is so wild. It's so flipping crazy. Uh, Legion of X is an absolute mess, but it is a cluster that I cannot look away from. Like, I do appreciate that this book is trying new different stuff. It's a flipping mess, but it's out there, at least. Like, it is out on the ledge saying, watch this. And it's hard to watch a lot of times because it's so convoluted. But it's like, well, there might be some interesting stuff that comes out of this. Like, who needed an explanation of the winding way? Who is out here like, I'd really like to understand the winding way here in 2023. This is not important. (laughs) But it is deep in X lore. You know, fans that have been along for the ride will be like, The Winding Way! Nightcrawler's mom! Look at this stuff! You know? But it's like, it's so out there. It's so... It's not just that it's weird, but it is also like one of seven weird things in every issue. I mean, this book is never focused. It is the most unfocused X book by several thousand miles. (laughs) And it makes it interesting. It does. It keeps it interesting. Like, also, like, Banshee has turned into a spirit of variance. Like, is Spurrier just casually upending Ghost Rider lore as well? Like, what is happening? There's just all this wild, giant stuff. It feels, at times, like a book that demands 150% of your attention. Legion of X feels like it demands 150% of your attention, meaning you have to pay attention while you read it, and then you have to go back and read it again. The problem is, it doesn't warrant... (laughs) It doesn't actually merit that much attention. It demands it, but it does not merit it. I don't want to go back and read this. I'm not even reading it that closely while I'm reading it. Is that part of the problem? Yeah, but that's because it lost me. It lost me early. Um, And it lost me because it was trying to do too much. I think if this book had, frankly, entirely avoided this Nightcrawler police force angle which is, like, more or less abandoned now. Like, those characters are players, but like it was like, yeah, we're doing police different on Krakoa, so we're just going to make a police force. <laughs> like, it's not different at all. If it had kind of abandoned that early and instead 
been more focused on, hey, Legion set up some big wild mutant stuff on the astral plane. We're going to connect that, apparently, as this thing has gone to Warlock and the Technarch, and now that's bringing in all sorts of Orcus ties. Like, if that had been the focus, this would be one of the biggest books in the entire Destiny of X, you know? Like, it would absolutely be the biggest book in the Destiny of X. I mean, spoilers, okay? But somehow, Nimrod is hacking Warlock. We haven't seen Nimrod since, I mean, Inferno, right? Like, the biggest threat to mutant kind. We haven't seen this character in, like, I don't know, like a full year. Nimrod is hacking Warlock, and therefore Krakoa, within the astral plane. This book is doing giant stuff. It's just so muddled, you barely realize. You know, if this happened in Immortal X-Men, or X-Men Red, if there was a Nimrod moment in either of those books, it would be the biggest thing in X-Men comics since Inferno, since Hickman left. In Legion of X, it practically feels like an Elseworlds story. You know, it feels like it's happening to something else. Like it is muddled and disconnected. And that's kind of a bummer because that idea is like amazing. It's really interesting. What is happening there? You know, Nimrod is making sentinels within Krakoa and Orcus is invading and they're turning mutants into monsters. Like this is big stuff. This is stuff I would expect to see in like a Fall of X crossover, you know? Like in the in the Orcus versus, versus Krakoa war, like this feels like endgame type stuff. And instead it's just like, casually happening before everything becomes sins of sinister and this book doesn't even resolve this <laughs> like like how is this issue not after sins of sinister baffling baffling comic book it is absolutely preposterous uh but it's really interesting even the stuff that i'm not super invested in is very interesting i cannot say that it's not you know we got forget me not in here getting forgotten by juggernaut all the time that's always fun i see here from bill i think is a comment that that i actually really appreciate which is it's a mess that only Psy can understand. That feels right. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, Christoph says, I can't decide if Legion of X is a hot mess or just a mess. <sighs> That's a tough one. I think it's just a mess. Because I don't actually think it's bad. You know? Like, some comics are messy through lack of um, kind of, like, narrative control. And it doesn't, I don't think that's what Legion of X is. It is a mess of too many ideas and too little editorial reining it in, you know? Um, at least it reads that way to me. Like, I feel like there's, I mean, Cy Spurrier is, is a very talented and established creator. So I can understand why editorially you'd be like, let him go, you know? I mean, it's presumably... And I don't know what it's like. Like, I'm not behind the scenes here. But, like, you know, what's with a Gillen, with Ewing, um, even, like, Steve Orlando, right? You're like, let, let these creators do what they do. And generally, that's the best-case scenario. That's going to lead to the best stuff. You know? Let them do what they do. Um, I think the problem with Spurrier is, like, you actually need somebody in that room saying, no, this isn't working. Like, rein it in. Focus in on this. And it doesn't seem like anyone's doing that. Because <laughs> this book is fun, but it's reckless. It is just absolutely all over the place. Um, and, and that's kind of okay within the Destiny of X lineup, like to a degree, because, you know, it's a deep lineup. You know, you have a lot of stuff happening. Uh, but man, this, this issue is just like, okay, I think I like a lot of what's happening here, but I don't like the way it's being executed. 
And I don't actually enjoy reading this comic. I just kind of want to, like, parse through and figure out what the hell is happening. You know? Like, what on earth is happening? Um, James here says, Dr. Nemesis is an analog for Spurrier's ambition on this title. I like that. I like that. Dr. Nemesis had his brain, his fungal brain expanded today. <laughs> he can connect anything. He can connect any possible stories. But then you get caught up trying to, to bring pie to its ultimate conclusion, and you're stuck. And you are stuck. Um, it, Legion of X just does not feel... It's weird to me to consider this the third book of Sins of Sinister, which is what it's going to be, you know, because it's going to be Gillen, it's going to be Ewing, and it's going to be Cy Spurrier. Like, like Sins of Sinister, you know, the way every other X thing, you know, typically would happen is like, okay, every X book gets pulled in to a crossover event. They're not doing that. They're like, they're, you know, seniority rules here. They're taking the creators with the most established credentials. Um, and, and I think that's exciting and that's interesting. The problem, though, is it's like Legion of X is not on the level of Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red. In fact, it's not even close. It's not number three in that lineup, you know? Um, let's see if Mike Eagle says here, it seems like the other X-Books largely ignore what happens in Legion of X, and that makes it feel less substantial. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, this book feels like it's doing its own thing separate from just about everyone else. I mean, even the X-Force stuff and the Percyverse... You know, you you at least have, I mean, even in X-Men 18 today, you have the other creators being like, oh, some beast sucks. You know, they're they're playing with the ideas. Um, Legion of X feels super, super disconnected. And and I think it's because it's so messy. How do you connect this stuff? I don't know. It kind of worked during Judgment Day. Actually, that time was really good. Um, okay. So, all right. Sir Grolon says, okay, Dave, what comics in the X-Line would you call straight up bad, if any? Well, that are coming out right now? I mean, that's a different question. Like, just, like, period. Like, I am way, way overly critical because of my investment in the line as a whole and the expectations post-House and Powers of Fallen Angels and X-Corps. I think those were awful. I think those were genuinely really, really big misses. Um, those were poor. By talented creators, but just absolute messes. Uh, coming out right now, is there anything I would say is straight up bad? Uh, the books that I have, that I don't work for me, that I have the hardest time with, I think right now, are Marauders and and Legion. Um, but I would not refer to that either of them as like, oh, these are bad comics. Uh, I would just say, I think, like in Legion's case, like it is a mess, but it's a fascinating mess, um, and it definitely doesn't work for me. It's going to work better for other people, obviously, you know. And it is a comic. I imagine that if you sink more time into, will be more rewarding. Which, you know, like this, you know, everything I'm saying about this could be a review of like, you know, what, like 70% of Graham Morrison's catalog too, you know, and I'd be wrong more often than not <laughs> in that regard. So there's, you know, it can go either way. I understand the arguments against it, um, but that's just where I'm at. That is just where I'm at. All right. Let's see. So that's Legion of X. Um, I, I, I won't know... It's so weird that we're going to transition to Sins of Sinister with this cliffhanger. Like, that's super weird to me. All right. I'm seeing a call out to the Blurred. Without Fear Here by Bill. Hulk smash that like button. Is that what Blurred says? All right, get everybody. Hulk smash that like button. I am not good at encouraging audiences. <laughs> or promotion of this channel. Uh, definitely less and less interested, I have to say. You know, it's kind of just, uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy talking about this stuff. And people come, they come. Yeah, it, it works. Uh, all right. What other questions we got here? Anything important? 
Um, do, 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 do. All right, we got some like smashes. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. All right, so we got Legion of X down. Uh, X-Men number 18 was a pretty big bowl of nothing, as far as I was concerned. Um, you know, it does raise some interesting questions. So X-Men number 18, it, it tried to sort of evaluate, okay, so we brought back old woman Laura from the vault. Now we have two Wolverines um, and kind of just them getting to know each other and know that they don't want to be near each other <laughs> ultimately, but kind of just reconciling like, okay, how did this happen? And what does this mean? I think, you know, it, we talked about this recently on my Marvel this year, actually we're reviewing the, um, the Avengers King dynasty written by Kurt Busiak. It's got earlier by Alan Davis. And, you know, one thing about the Busiak Avengers run, which is really well regarded by a lot of folks that were there at the time reading it is it's a really, it's a clear divide between readers who just want to hang with their faves and see them developed in very capable, competent hands and readers who are looking for like the next big thing in comics and formal comics, formalism and stuff that can kind of stand on its own two feet, you know? And I think Duggan, I have only ever seen the creator in the Marvel universe specifically because there's indie stuff that, that Jerry Duggan has done that I really like, um, but is a very competent caretaker, I think, of, you know, hanging with your faves. And that's what this X-Men book is. It's let's hang with an X-Men team. And, you know, that's a little a little harsh, because there, I do think X-Men has done a decent job developing Orcus, for example, developing new threats with Dr. Stasis and Phalong. You know, and now tying those things a little bit into Invincible Iron Man as the tendrils of X-Men, you know, pervasively latch on to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, but I, I, there's just, imagine, you know, when you looked at like the Hickman run on X-Men, which is messy, speaking of messes, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that doesn't work. Um, but when you look at that run, issues 18 and 19 were the big vault saga. And it was this moment of like, oh, wow, what? What are we doing? You know, big ideas, structural ideas, using data page timelines to tell story and cram thousands of years into short spaces. Interesting things <laughs> in the way comics can be told. You just don't get that in this run. It's all just kind of this happened, then this happened character stuff. And if you love Laura Kinney and you just want to hang, like, okay. If you're super invested in Sink and Wolverine romance from the vault, like, I guess here's your payoff, you know? But yeah, I just, I, it's all just kind of, it just falls real flat, I think. And it did make me think, you know, so the free comic day special coming in 2023 is, is going to be this, this Duggan, you know, uncanny Avengers kind of setup type thing leading into Fall of X. And it, it's just like, I don't know. I just, it's hard to get that excited about, I think, um, without, like, some really interesting ideas. I mean, even the Duggan Invincible Iron Man. I read the first issue today. It's a fine first issue, right? It's fine. We're born again in Tony Stark. How many times has Tony Stark lost his company? How many times has Tony Stark lost his resources? There's nothing new. Absolutely nothing new, okay? Um, it's all fine, but fine is boring, it just is. Okay, we have a history of a medium. Try new things. Try different stuff. 
get interesting. Take a shot. You have a lot of leeway here. You know, that's the interesting thing about the Krakoa era. It's not to replay the hits. It's to do new stuff, to do something different. And it, it just so rarely feels like that's happening. So that's my review of X-Men 18. <laughs> a very fine comic book. Um, all right, what else came out today? Wolverine number 29. We had uh, the most interesting thing about Wolverine number 29 was that apparently Sabretooth left his mark on the pit to the point that the Krakoan pit is, like, infested with Sabretooth's evil even after the character left and escaped. Um, that was interesting. That was interesting. Otherwise, we've got this whole thing very slowly happening, which, you know, this is the Percy way. Um, and we've got Wolverine finally regaining his memories after Beast, uh, I don't know, what would you say, imprisoned him and... Uh, kept his memories from him and we are building towards maybe the comeuppance of finally Wolverine and the team catching up with Beast uh, but again Beast was very recently caught with an off books prison which the X-Force team did not approve of and yet absolutely nothing happened so will will we actually get the the long-awaited you know moment for Beast I don't know I don't know if it'll actually happen, but we shall see. I did love the art in this book. I thought Wolverine number 29 looked really great. At first, I thought it was Josh Cacera, which for me is high praise. Love Cacera's art. Um, it was great detail, great Krakoan, you know, just kind of the vines and the plants and all the swamp thing potential within that. It looked awesome. It looked awesome. Um, but otherwise, you know, another fine comic. Another fine comic. All right. Any other thoughts? on who you'd want to see on an Uncanny X-Men book, get him in now. Um, if you have any thoughts on, do we even need an Uncanny X-Men? Like, what would be the point? I mean, I think I think the book that's most likely to be announced post-free comic book day special, I think there's probably going to be an Uncanny Avengers. That feels likely. Um, I, I don't, maybe an Uncanny X-Men after Fall of X or something could be in the cards. Uh, I did have some readers asking, uh, what's the difference between Uncanny, Astonishing, Extreme? Like, what, what do the adjectives matter at all? Uh, kind of like I said at the beginning of this, you know, Uncanny... It's, for me, it's all about legacy, right? It's all about the legacy of what those what those series have been and the creators that have been attached to them, right? So in Uncanny's case, it's really just the history of it, the fact that it's been around the longest, but then also, like, that was the flagship book, you know, with Claremont and Cockrum and Byrne and John Romita Jr. and everyone, right? Um, so just kind of you have this legacy of that being the prime mover, the main book, uh, and also, but also, like, the Team Soap, right? It was all of that. Astonishing X-Men, you know, I think of as, because that's the other book we don't have right now. There's no Astonishing in the lineup. Um, that one I think of as, well, I think of the Whedon Cassidy run, right, from the, the 2000s. Uh, but I guess it's kind of like a small team welcoming to new readers and kind of some big event type stuff. Because that book really all is kind of centered around a very movie-esque, you know, big alien battle kind of thing. Um, so, you know, difference between titles ultimately is unimportant you know <laughs> it's not it doesn't matter that much um but there is some legacy and history tied to these things yeah because brain's you know brain has a good question here what would uncanny x-men even be about right like why would you need uncanny x-men right now aside from the idea that like oh it's got a lot of import in marvel history you know i feel like that's that's a good point um you have an x-men team the actual x-men super team in the x-men series why why cancel that and rename it Uncanny aside from the sales stuff? You know, I feel like if you're going to launch an Uncanny X-Men book, 
I mean, I feel like the main reason you'd have to do it would be, okay, let's say Sins of Sinister happens, Gillen gets through the council on Immortal X-Men, that could be a natural breaking point sort of leading into and around Fall of X, where then you have an uncanny X-Men coming out of that with whatever the aftermath of Fall of X is. So you could have a Gillen-written uncanny X-Men, um, or Al Ewing, or right, one of the one of the top two, hopefully, um, that is like, oh, this is the center of the X-Men universe now. It's clear what the main book... Because right now it's not really clear. I think it's needlessly confusing to readers. X-Men is the book that sounds like it's probably the most important X-Men book. <laughs> you know? Hey, what X-Men book should I read? If you're new and you're in a comic shop and you don't know what's going on, hey, how about the one called X-Men? <laughs> I'm going to try that. You know, everything else has has stuff around it. Let's just do that. I think you replace that with just Uncanny X-Men. You have that be the clear, again, prime mover. And I think that is kind of the natural state of X-Men comics. Um, so what would it be about? I mean, it's going to be whatever the heck is going on in the Krakowiverse post-Fall of X. Uh, but I think I think you want it to, to be the center, you know. Um, so, okay. Enough about that. Uh, all right. I got like 10 more minutes. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, I'm going to go through the chat here. Get some water here. Uh, otherwise, like, again, like I said earlier, like, all I do is play Midnight Suns now. Um, so you have any Midnight Suns thoughts? <laughs> I'd be happy to talk about that for a minute. Let's see. What do we got in the chat? I'm going to drink some water. Let's see. Kenji says, I'm not as interested in a new Avengers and X-Men book and more hopeful that we will see Ryan North's Fantastic Four jumping into the X-Playground. I guess I'll start with the first part of that, which is to say, I'm not... I'm not interested in an Uncanny Avengers book. Like, at all. Like, uh, an X-Men Avengers Coalition kind of book. Um, that does not appeal to me either. And those books have existed. And uh, the Rick Remender run in the Marvel Now era has some comics that I really like. Like, if you're looking for King the Conqueror stuff, check out the wild Uncanny Avengers stuff starting with, like, issue six. There. You know? It's a big, messy Avengers Kang story that happens to have mutants in it. Um, there's a lot of, you know, bickering between Scarlet Witch and Rogue that is human-mutant relation stuff, but it's not really a book about that um, in a lot of ways. Uh, the Duggan-written Uncanny Avengers, because that's the other thing, is like, he already did Uncanny Avengers <laughs> with Pepe Larraz, no less, for a good chunk of it. And it's just like, yeah, that happened too. You know, we've had it. It's not a team concept that I think is especially interesting or that really works. I think it also feels too like the Avengers need uncanny Avengers way more than anything X-Men needs the Avengers boost, you know? So it is one of those things where it's like, how is this additive to Krakoa in this era? How is this unique from the previous iterations? Um, those would be my main concerns with that. I would love to see Ryan North's Fantastic Four jumping into the X-Playground. Obviously there's a lot still to be done with, like, what did Reed whisper to Professor X? Um, the secrets that, you know, Kitty Pride and Franklin Richards and Reed all hold. Like, there's plenty of crossover. Doctor Doom and, and Valeria Richards ending with secrets back in the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries. Remember that a million years ago? Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's plenty of potential to cross over there. Let's see. Bring back Claremont and super long narration boxes. <laughs> I, I suspect you're joking a little bit. Uh, I did see too many answers saying, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Claremont and John Romita Jr. <laughs> could do Uncanny X-Men. No, thank you. 
No, thank you. We had those runs. Enjoyed them. Still enjoy them. We can go back to them anytime. Don't need it again. Thank you, though. Thank you for the suggestion. Do, do, do. Let's see. Chris Claremont with Greg Capullo. Greg Capullo's name getting floated a lot because apparently he's going to be doing a big Marvel project. It's hard to imagine him working with anyone outside of Donny Cates. Um, I guess that could be the Avengers book, right? Would be a popular, hey, this will sell kind of book. I don't, I mean, aside from just the, the spawnness connection there, um, I, it does feel like Cates is, I don't know, is he opening up his plate to take on Avengers or is he like done with Marvel for a minute? Because it definitely feels like a creator who's like, yeah, I'm kind of good here, <laughs> which is fine. Good, good, do your thing. Do your creator own thing. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, like, come on. Come on with the Claremont stuff, y'all. Has run. Like, nobody had nobody had more at-bats with X-Men than Chris Claremont. And it was great. It was really good. Nobody had more at-bats. Does not deserve or or is not owed the chance to do it again. You know? Keep giving him legacy books, right? Keep that, keep that retirement fund. Like, Marvel owes him. Absolutely. The MCU owes him. Get paid, Chris Claremont. Fully supportive of that. But, like, creatively... No, Chris Claremont has not written comics that are essential since 1991. I mean, unless you're literally just talking like, you know, informationally, like wiki entry stuff, like the Destiny's Diaries and Extreme X-Men. Okay, no shade on Claremont. I know it's perceived that way. A legend, incredible work. But like the thought of bringing them back in 2023, is like the absolute least interesting answer. That would be a disaster. All right. Uh, Sir Golan says, Dave, maybe I don't follow your channel closely enough to notice, but I haven't heard your opinion on Sabretooth and the Exiles. Uh, I definitely talk about it, and it is definitely still good. It is not hitting as great as Sabretooth, the first five issues. I mean, the first five issue of Mini was genuinely great. I think Sabretooth and the Exiles is, is compelling, and I like that it exists in the Krakoa era, but it is sinking more, more heartily into kind of standard superhero dynamic stuff. Um, it's not as unexpected or as fascinating. I think in a lot of ways, Victor Lowell is still getting in, making interesting connections, making in real social and, and human historical commentary, you know, so it's educational, it's smart. Um, that stuff's all really valued. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see how the, the final three issues of this will play out because I'm definitely not as excited about it as I was about the first series. Okay, what else we got? Will the Midnight Suns comic lead to an Agatha de-aging process? <laughs> I checked out on the Midnight Suns comic about as hard as one can. Um, I read the first issue and that that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Here's the thing about Agatha. Um, listen, MCU has quote-unquote de-aged her, she can be whatever middle age you want her to be and have existed for centuries. It's fine. Like, that's what the video games, like, she's some... I mean, she's literally a ghost, first off, <laughs> which is also fine. Like, Agatha Harkness does not need to be young and hot. Like, what is the what is the need for that? Who's that for? Come on. We can have characters of different ages. It's fine. All right, what other questions do we got? Do, do, do. All right. We're pretty well covered here. Thanks, everybody, for joining again. I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald on social. I do have a YouTube channel. It's called Comic Book Herald. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, all that fun stuff will continue to help me out. Uh, again, as I always say, I will be back 
every week when the comics are good. Uh, this week, I don't know, they weren't especially exciting, but I feel like there was plenty to chew on, plenty of things to talk about. Um, by the way, I've been talking about Midnight Suns. I've been, it's not a great video game, I don't think, but I've been having a lot of fun. Um, I do find it pretty, pretty compelling, pretty addicting. I still don't know how I feel about, like, the the emphasis of time spent, like, just, like, going bird watching with Blade <laughs> to, like, make friends. But, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. But uh, the strategy of the action is really compelling, and it's it's sinking its tendrils into me. I am, I am fully committed. Let's see. Next week, we got Dark Web X-Men. We got Immortal X-Men number 10, which is going to fully kick off the sins of Sinister. Yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week talk about whatever's going down in Immortal. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Appreciate you being here and listening live, as always. Uh, and I appreciate the super chat that came in earlier from Brandon. So I just want to show my support. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. So, thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, enjoy the comics. <laughs>